Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 698. Strangers come in here and spin in my friend's heads full of nonsense. Be quiet, a lot of you. We've heard enough out of you tonight. Having said his piece, the fiddler opened the battered case that sat next to him and drew out his instrument. The mood of the room had grown vaguely hostile by this point, and more than a few people eyed me resentfully. Dayton sputtered angrily. Now listen here! Hespy said something and tried to pull him down into his seat, but Dayton shook her off. No, I won't be called a liar. We were sent here by Alvar and himself because of them bandits, and we did our job. We're not expecting a parade, but I'll be damned before I let you call me a liar. We killed those bastards, and afterward we did see Florian, and Quoth there did take off after her. Dayton glared around the room belligerently, mostly in the direction of the fiddler. That's the truth, and I swear it by my good right hand. If anyone wants to call me a liar, we can have it out right now. The fiddler picked up his bow and met Dayton's eye. He drew a screaming note across the strings. Liar! Dayton nearly leapt across the room as people pushed their chairs back to make a clear space for the fight. The fiddler came to his feet slowly. He was taller than I'd expected, with short gray hair and scarred knuckles that told me he knew his way around a fistfight. I managed to get in front of Dayton and leaned against him, speaking low in his ear. You really want to brawl with a broken arm? If he gets hold of it, you'll just scream and piss yourself in front of Hespy. I felt him relax a bit and gave him a gentle push back toward his seat. He went, but he wasn't happy. Something here, I heard a woman say behind me. If you want to have a scuff with someone, you take it outside and don't bother coming back. You don't get paid to fight the customers, you hear? Now, Penny, the fiddler said soothingly, I was just showing some teeth to him. He's the one who took it all personal. You can't blame me for making fun with the sort of stories they come in with. I turned around and saw the fiddler explaining himself to an angry woman in her middle years. She was a full foot shorter than him and had to reach up to jab his chest with a finger. That's when I heard a voice exclaim to one side of me, God's mother, Seb, you see that? Look at it, it's moving by itself. You're blind drunk, it's just a breeze. There ain't no wind in tonight, it's moving itself. Look again. It was my shade, of course. By now, several people had noticed it blowing gently in a breeze that wasn't there. I thought the effect was rather nice, but... The page is over. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. And I'm Jeremy. Man, I want a cape that blows in its own invisible breeze. That's like, that's every man's dream, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. We want to, um, we love a wondrous item that has effects when it's I, at rest. I highly recommend walking slowly through a room with billowy clothing. Absolutely. Oh, yes. We do whenever <laughs> we have the chance. I think we've taken a stance on this podcast before that we are pro bring cloaks back. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. I have at least two sweaters that are cloak-like. Cloak-adjacent. Yeah, actually three if you count the one that isn't, like, it's like, it's got no sleeves. It's like a vest, but it's like a sleeveless cloak. <laughs> yeah, I once had, like, a hoodie that was like a poncho. I really mm. liked that hoodie. I remember that. Story. Yeah, it was great. It fell apart really fast because it was from H&M and it was crap, but you know, I <laughs> So it goes, so it goes. So the real trick here is probably actually to make your own cloak. I saw a lady on the subway with like the best looking cloak, like so good that like she was walking like a good like 10 feet ahead of me and I like rushed to catch up to her to stop her to be like, oh my God, where did you get your cloak? She made it. Of course she made it. The Mm. answer is to make our own cloaks. Well, 
See, to me, people who can make their own clothes are like people who can make their own pizza in that they are, they might as well be black magicians doing fell sorcery from the Book of the Dead. All right, well, I'm on my way to, to being a scary magician then. When you make your own pizza, it's never as good as the pizza you can buy. But mm-hmm. I feel like when you get decent at making clothes, you can make clothes that are better than the clothes you can buy. Mm. That's a good point. All right, now back to the page, you ruffians. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on. I have one more. Before we go on, Jordana, would you say that the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind? I don't get it. I, I think I had. To, I should have said it earlier. All right, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't think Jordana's a Bob Dylan fan. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I, I had no idea those were Bob Dylan Nor lyrics. should you be, Jordana. Nor should you be. There is no reason to be a fan of Bob Dylan. <laughs> okay. well, there's, the only reason to be a fan of Bob Dylan is if you like like transcendently good music. Um, yeah, so, if you like kind of a whiny, a-melodic, a kind of a, a, a noise, kind of a din, then yes, by all means, uh, become a Bob Dylan fan. I will, as a Bob Dylan fan, I will freely admit that I don't like all of his music and I think that his voice is an acquired taste, but I also maintain that it's a taste worth acquiring if you like music. You know what else uh, is a taste worth acquiring? What? <laughs> no nope. Pie and donuts. <laughs> oh, I okay. That's not where I thought you were going. But, what, what, uh, I yeah. Oh, the page. The page is also a taste worth acquiring <laughs> and I'd love to go back to it, but I just didn't know if we'd get there. Uh, so I <laughs> think it's worth pointing not. out. I think it's worth pointing out that Dayton is angry and the guy did this on the previous page we didn't really call it out but he didn't just call Kvoth a liar he did call all of them liars he said i don't even believe that you guys killed a bunch of bandits and that's crazy to me because clearly bandits have been messing around like people are aware that there are bandits on this road stealing from people so like what who does he think is doing that well, I mean, that's also a big fish story, right? Like, oh, we found the bandits and there were a hundred of them and we killed them with lightning. Like that, that's hard to swallow on its own. And then you tack on the whole, oh, but the guy who killed the bandits, he he disappeared into forest chasing a fairy. Like that, I, I kind of get it, you know? And then the guy shows up and that's that's that changes things. It's one thing to hear a big fish story and then the fish itself walks through the door. Uh, you're going to have a response. I suppose so. But I mean, I think that also explains why the rest of the crew is so quick to defend Kvothe, because they're also defending themselves. Yes, I agree. Uh, I love the visual gag of Dayton, like, bum-rushing this guy, and he stands up and he's, like, actually built and really tall and has, like, scarred knuckles. It reminds me of uh, in Kung Fu Hustle, when the, the, the hero is trying to pick a fight with the crowd, he keeps, like, pointing at people who think look look wimpy, and then the crowd parts and they're actually huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a classic or, like 90s action yeah. movie gag of like the hero like uh, the, the the goons send in like the guy who is actually enormous that the hero hasn't yeah. counted on yeah yep love it and it's also a, a bit of comedy that he is talked down by the uh the brash um uh barmaid mm-hmm. yeah who's like much Landlady. shorter than him yeah. yeah, she's she's kind of like the archetypal like mistress of the establishment. And also Kvoth talks Dayton down from getting involved by basically saying like you like you have a broken arm. Like this is a bad idea. <laughs> which is which is like good looking out. You should not let your friend with a broken arm get into a bar fight. Yes. But, but the fiddler like this scene is very cinematic because I can also picture the exact shot of the fiddler like 
doing the equivalent with his fiddle of drawing nails down a chalkboard and then just saying to Dayton, liar, right? Like he's calling his bluff. He's daring him to do it. He's trying to pick the fight. I, uh, I don't like this guy. Yeah, like that's the thing. I feel like he's not just your everyday skeptic. I think he is an asshole. <laughs> well, certainly Quoth wants us to read him as an asshole because he's competition. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's also like, like I, I kind of get the impression for the conversation he has with the woman who runs the establishment that he has caused trouble before. And I think that he's doing a thing that a lot of jerks do where he's completely changing his affect when he wants to sweet talk her. He's like, no, come on. I wasn't, I was just showing teeth where it, like, obviously he was trying to start a fight. Yes. But well, I mean, then it, it, it is to, to the barmaid to prove that he was actually going to start a fight and that he wasn't just showing teeth. Well, no, I don't think that's true because if, when he's, when Dayton says, I'm not going to have anyone call me a liar. And then he like basically spits in Dayton's face and calls him a liar. He is trying to start a fight with Dayton. I mean, like, I agree with you, but I think that his argument would be like, prove it. Then the proof is like, he said what would take to start a fight. And you did the thing he said would take to start a fight. That's starting a fight. Well, I think he's he's got a pretty, you can see this guy has a broken arm, so he prob- can probably be pretty sure of winning the fight. And, you know, if anything, he, he stands to make his reputation a little bit today as well. I'm sure it wouldn't wouldn't hurt for him to, you know, I don't know, maybe it, maybe you, maybe you're a jerk if you win a bar fight against the guy with a broken arm. But he seems like he is, you know, he is quoth writ small. He's a musician who survives on his his talent, his way with words, his ability to command a room. And his reputation, and he's, as you say, Jeremy, his uh, his livelihood for the night is at risk now because this other guy has flounced in and, and taken the, away all the attention from him and his music and whatever else he was planning on doing. So, you know, he's got to protect his turf a little bit. Yeah, but I think that calling him sm- Quoth Rit Small is, is a disservice to Quoth because this guy is also a bully. Also... So it sounds as though the bar has invited him to be there as their entertainment, which means that he would get paid either way, wouldn't he? I don't know if, maybe. I don't know if, if the bars are fronting cash or if he has to, you know, put his hat down. I don't know if I'd call him a bully, Jeremy, because, you know, he's he's just a skeptic. And if, right, but he he's also... He's a skeptic with teeth. <laughs> but, he, but his goal is also to humiliate these people and control the room. He, like, wants well, the crowd to it, like I him mean, and not like them. Yeah, but if you read it also from his perspective, like these people are are fleecing the crowd. Like he he genuinely doesn't believe them. They're uh, they're scam artists. So he's he's kind of protecting the crowd from the scam artists. Right, but he's also willing to go as far as like beating up a guy with a broken arm to prove his point. Yeah, but he he has it coming. Look, I'm pro Ben. Okay, Ben did nothing wrong. Ben, Ben Creighton. Who? Who? Ben Creighton. You guys don't remember Ben Creighton, the hero of uh, the Pennysworth? Did you just give this guy a name? No, he has a name. In fact, doesn't he get? Doesn't they say the name on the page? He has no, only ever been referred to as the fiddler thus far. Okay, well, uh, Penny, the the uh, the maiden, the house maiden, will call him Ben. I think tomorrow, and then again uh, on two pages from now. She gives him the full name of Ben Creighton. Well, shame on you for reading ahead. Yes. 10,000 lashes for Nick, who broke the cardinal rule of this podcast. 
I accept those lashes with a plum as I defend my boy Ben Creighton. Disgusting. Uh, ben is there Creighton. anything else you? Is there anything Bye. else you want to talk about on this page? We have a letter today. This is from Zach, who writes again another less specific letter. Hello again, page casters. No, I didn't catch up in a few days. I still have a couple hundred episodes to go before I've reached your page. And in fact, I've abandoned my personal read for now, simply listening to the podcast for about seven chapters now. It's like an audiobook and a book club all in one. Highly recommended. 10 out of 10. I'm writing because I have a question I've been itching to ask you all about. And although I won't hear your answer for a while, my fingers are too itchy not to ask. Do you think Coat is clean shaven or does he have a beard? I've always found my images of characters to be arbitrary, fickle things. One of the things that got me to read this book was a video on YouTube in which Rothfuss describes how Quoth came to be as a character. He asked himself, what makes a wizard, and listed a few of the classics, like Merlin and Gandalf. So when I read the book, I pictured the first wizard innkeeper to come to mind, Aberforth Dumbledore from the 8th Potter film. It wasn't until I saw a fan art of a younger, red-haired coat that I realized my mistake and shifted the image accordingly. However, one aspect I just can't let go of is that he, as coat, is bearded. I don't imagine your classic wizard long flowy beard, just a simple short one. There's probably some evidence in the text against this, but I prefer a bearded coat, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on the matter. All the best, signed Zach. Personally, I picture coat as clean shaven, but I don't know that there's any evidence in the text to say that he is. And in fact, it's certainly a beard makes him seem more uh, innkeeperly. I I imagine him as having a beard, but not like a lot of a beard. Like, you know how uh, I feel like like people who are very blonde or very or like that lighter ginger look often have like beards that just look lighter or are they maybe they just keep them shorter. But like uh, like Prince Harry and Sheeran, people like that, like, sure. you know, they yeah. have beards, They're not beard. like bushy beards. They're just kind of there. Yeah, like more of a close shaven beard. Yeah. Uh, I I do I also picture him clean shaven and my policy is that unless there's something explicitly on the page to say that he has a beard then he doesn't but I also think that you're allowed to imagine him with a beard if you want. I think that part of the reason that Quoth having grown a beard in the Fae is so kind of shocking is because up until this point one hasn't pictured him with a beard before. Uh, and that, for me, includes uh, his time as coat. And I think having him be a clean-shaven innkeeper in a fantasy novel does make him kind of go against the grain of fantasy innkeepers in a way that makes him memorable. Reasonable. I buy it. And uh, I actually, you know what? I think that coat, much like many people who have beards, probably sometimes shaves it and probably sometimes doesn't. Sure, I think in the scenes that are happening in this book, he's clean-shaven. Okay. Yep, I think uh, perhaps more than ever, uh, both reads are valid. Because, uh, well, there's no details, and I think uh, he's certainly more wizardly with a beard. But also, I, I like what I like about Quoth, the only thing I like about Quoth, is that he does uh, kind of countermand the storybook image of the wizard. Of like the Indeed. elderly stooped staff leaning fellow. Yeah, I feel like part of I haven't seen this YouTube video, but I have to imagine that what what Rothfuss then went on to do is like, how can I complicate or subvert the image of the stereotypical wizard? How can I take those tropes and put a twist on them? 
Uh, and yes, listeners... clearly he read the Forgotten Realm source book and looked at Elementster's stat block mm. and uh, took inspiration from there. And listeners, you can join us with special guest Morden Kanan on tomorrow's page. Uh, the. Wee. Wee.